We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever or whenever you catch kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And today, the last leg of our 2022 Dash to the Draft series proceeds to the NFC South, where we will recap the draft halls of the Panthers, Falcons, Saints, and Bucks. Did the Bucks do enough to put themselves in pole position for the 2022 NFC crown? How much, if at all, did the Saints close the gap on them in the divisional race? And did the Panthers and Falcons land enough promising pieces for the future, even if they might not translate to immediate wins? Joining us to answer those questions and a lot more is our good friend, Brian Bosarge of DeepFryDraft.com. It's always a pleasure having you join us, Brian. How are you, my man? David, man, I'm doing great. Uh, enjoying my nice summer vacation here away from uh, the rigors of draft preparation, but uh, ready to get back at it. I think we're going to relaunch uh, Draft Countdown again in August with some 2023 uh, draft content over there, and uh, we're ready to go. Oh, looking forward to seeing that content. Appreciate that update, Brian. And without further ado, let's talk about the draft hall of the Carolina Panthers, who with the sixth overall pick addressed arguably the biggest hall on their roster outside of quarterback in offensive tackle. And they did so by going right up the road from Charlotte to Raleigh and selecting NC State's Iki Aquanu. And there was a very legit argument for either him, Evan Neal, or perhaps Charles Cross to be the first offensive tackle off the board. Why do you think the Panthers went with Aquanu over the latter two? I think they know that maybe the passing game isn't going to be their strength this year with be it, is it going to be Sam Darnold again? Are they going to trade for Baker Mayfield? Uh, will they eventually turn it over, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think they know that the run game with with McCaffrey and, and the others is going to be where they're Red is buttered for any success that they may have this year. And adding a Quanu, who was of the three top tackle prospects, I think easily the best of the run blockers of that. And I think they know that, you know, Aquano will come in and immediately be an upgrade there and will help them in the run offense immediately day one. Oh, absolutely. And uh, a lot of people believe that Iquano might have the best combination of high floor and high ceiling out of all those uh, tackle prospects. Uh, yes, his pass protection still needs work, but his run blocking is like a A++ there, I say, coming into the NFL uh, right now. Uh, do you have optimism that uh, he will eventually grow into a very good pass protector, though? Yeah, the, the, the signs are there, and you saw enough of it to believe that he could be that. Uh, I know going into the season, we thought he would, you know, because of that reputation as a run blocker, we thought that maybe he even projects inside to guard uh, at the NFL level. But he showed enough this year to say that in the passing game, he's not going to be a liability, but maybe it's not a strength immediately. Like, I'm not expecting him to be like, like Charles Cross. I think immediately he's going to be a pass blocking dynamo there. And you mentioned him as a possibility that they could have gone with at six. And I think Evan Neal was more of a balance between the two. But I think, it, like I said, with what Carolina, I think Carolina may want to do with their offense. I think Aquanu was the perfect fit. Oh, absolutely. And as you alluded to, the Panthers, despite not owning another pick until round four, traded back up into the third round to select Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. And barring the Panthers acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, as you said uh, before the season, 
How many games do you see Matt Corral starting in 2022? Uh, given his mobility, I think it would make a lot of sense to uh, play him in like as early as week seven or week eight, especially if the season is already headed south. Whatever it's going to take to save Matt Rule's job, I think, is how many games Matt Corral starts. And if he gets an inclination from ownership that, hey, we need to go to the young guy because Sam Darnold, if, like I said, if they don't acquire Mayfield or Garoppolo, as you said, uh, and Darnold's not it early, if they see that, I think that you could see them going to Corral as early as even maybe five or six games into the season just to kind of see what the see what you've got with him. Because if not, I mean, you have to think they're going to be coming right back this time next year uh, with another quarterback prospect if they don't see enough from Corral this year. But it's a lot to like with him. He's got a live arm. He's athletic. I mean, he's decision-making eh, suspect at times, so to speak. He's a bit of a uh, off-script type of guy uh, that the NFL seems to be going with. I was surprised. You know, like I think a lot of us were watching the draft of the, that some of these quarterbacks we thought could have been late first-round guys early second round at worst and they all ended up falling into the third third round and even Sam Howell falling all the way to the top of the fifth uh, I think it was a bit surprising uh, to to me but I think Corral uh, actually it, it wouldn't surprise me outside of Kenny Pickett maybe if Corral wasn't the first quarterback to get into the starting uh, lineup as a rookie very 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 interesting point there Brian uh and I believe there's another rookie quarterback in this particular division that could contend for that distinction with Matt Corral, and we'll get to him in just a little bit. But before we do, let's talk about this Atlanta Falcons draft class. And for the second consecutive year, the Falcons selected a passing game weapon with a top 10 pick in USC wide receiver Drake London. And while I personally like Drake London a lot, an NFL decision maker who obviously knows football better than I ever will anonymously told Mike Sando of The Athletic that London gave him vibes of Mike Williams, another USC wide receiver who was a top 10 pick uh, in 2005 to the Detroit Lions, yet uh, did not live up to expectations, to put it kindly. And uh, do you have similar feelings? And if not, why will Drake London have a far more successful NFL career? I like Drake London as a player, and I think he's going to be a potential high-level contributor. I just didn't like his selection for Atlanta because I think his skill set leeches over a little bit with Kyle Pitts. I think they're similar type player profiles where they're, you know, 50-50 guys and a lot of the similar route running that you'll see from Pitts, you're going to see with London um, I would have, I mean, I think we would have all loved to see him test to see, you know, how he stacked up in as a kid. But I mean, if I was Atlanta, maybe I would have gone with a Garrett Wilson or a, a Chris Olave or something just to kind of give myself something a little bit different. But with that being said, I still think you're going to see uh, London potentially, you know, produce uh, very well for Atlanta. And I also agree with what you said. I thought Atlanta's class was one of the better ones uh, in the entire NFL this year. Yes, and uh, one of the big reasons why is because they uh, really addressed their anemic pass rush and anemic maybe being too kind because uh, last season the Falcons only had like 18 sacks and that was 11 less than the next worst team in the league. They were that bad getting after the quarterback and they double dipped at pass rusher on day two of the draft by taking Penn State's Arnold Ebicady in round two and an Atlanta native in uh, Western Kentucky's D'Angelo Malone in the third round. What do Arnold Ebicady and D'Angelo Malone give the Falcons uh, anemic pass rush this year? And I mean this year. 
the bend around the edge for both is tremendous. I've seen it with D'Angelo Malone for the last three seasons now because he's been eligible this long. And so you constantly you're, you just want to get your eyeballs on him. And the way he can dip around the 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 tackle is 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 great. You know, you wish he was a little bit bigger, maybe. But I, I, I think the athleticism is definitely there, it especially is with Ebiketti, who looked great down here at the Senior Bowl and uh, thought he could have ended up in that late first-round area. So I, I really like what Atlanta did with those two edge rushers. You, like you said, big need there. You attack it. And uh, I think you could get, you know, maybe 14 to 15 sacks combined you know, between those two early in their careers, maybe not immediately in year one, but, you know, by year two, I think you could look see that situational, especially I think Malone's going to be more of a situational guy. I think Ebiketti's probably going to be, uh, you know, more of their every down defensive end. Yes, uh, D'Angelo Malone, it's going to take a while for him to uh, grow into a full-time player. Uh, he had some similar characteristics as uh, Nick Benito, who went to the Broncos at uh, 64, both uh, very good at getting after the pass rusher, but liabilities in the run game at the uh, present time, uh, very similar profiles there. And uh, with their second pick in the second round, the Falcons selected a super athletic linebacker from Montana State in Troy Anderson. He had a legit perfect RAS score of 10 out of 10. He was one of the freak most freakiest athletes in the, this year's draft class and uh, when this pick was made uh, a lot of the talkie kids uh, assumed that he was the long-term replacement for Foye Aluakun who uh, just signed a pretty lucrative deal in free agency with the Jacksonville Jaguars but the future of Deion Jones is looking pretty murky right now because uh, he's got a heavy contract and the Falcons with their salary cap issues uh, they might consider releasing him uh, either after 2022 or maybe even before the season if they can afford to do so and uh, his uh, injury problems are uh, not uh, good right now so to speak as he has missed uh, most if not all of their off-season program so my question is do you think Troy Anderson is a long-term replacement for Foye Oluokan or for Deion Jones I mean it really could go either way to be honest I just know Troy Anderson's a heck of a football player and I know at the senior role, he was probably in the one-on-ones, probably the best coverage linebacker uh, down there. He also gives you some pass rush uh, from that Mike linebacker position or weak side linebacker position, whichever he ends up playing. Um, special teams, I think he's going to contribute there uh, if need be. I, I really th- – I mean, this guy played quarterback at Montana State, played fullback, played linebacker. I mean, this guy. He's just a football player, and he showed he was not out of his element at the Senior Bowl, and then his testing, ridiculous. You know, like you said, a perfect Raz, 10 Raz score. Uh, I really like Troy Anderson, and uh, 399 in that 20 shuttle, man. That's that's crazy good uh, for somebody, uh, 6'3", 243. So, yeah, I, th- I think Atlanta's got a heck of a football player with Anderson. Wherever it is, he ends up contributing early. Yeah, Troy Anderson is definitely, as you would say down south, a football-playing Jesse. (laughs) He uh, fits that description to a T. And uh, as uh, I alluded to a little bit ago, um, the Falcons also went to the quarterback well in the third round by selecting Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. And uh, kind of like Corral, you could see Desmond Ritter start a lot of games this year, and it's going to be interesting to see which one of those two uh, starts uh, first. And uh, how many games do you see Desmond Ritter playing this season? I actually think they might get a little more mileage out of Marcus Mariota than uh, Carolina gets out of Sam Darnold because Carolina kind of already has and knows what Sam Darnold isn't. I should say not what he is, but what he isn't. 
And uh, Atlanta really doesn't know if Mariota is he ready to actually, you know, become what he was the number two overall pick in 2015? Is he ready to kind of like get that back? You know, you really don't know. And until we see it, I, 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 for his sake, I hope he can get it back. But like I said, if, if he doesn't, I think you see Atlanta turn to Ritter about halfway through the season. They Atlanta knows, I, I just don't, I cannot see them going into the season knowing that they're going to be very good. And they're just their roster overall. I mean, is it great? I mean, I could see almost every one of these players they drafted seeing significant playing time this year uh, with their roster kind of being in the, in the shambles that it is. But uh, Desmond Ritter is an athletic one of the, he was probably the most athletic quarterback in this draft class that tested, you know, I, we don't, we don't know what Malik Willis would have tested, but I, I Ritter is, he has some, some things that, you know, aren't great, but I think he could be a, average above average NFL starter I don't think he's ever going to be a star absolutely and I definitely share your view about the Falcons I think they are the worst team not named the Texans at least to uh, enter the season and I would it be surprised if the Falcons own the number one overall pick uh, in the 2023 uh, NFL draft and now moving on to a team that used this draft to go all in the New Orleans Saints and with their first of two first-round picks, they traded up as that wide receiver run was happening to take Ohio State's Chris Olave, one of the two best deep threats in this year's draft, which suits Jameis Winston and his skill set perfectly and is a beautiful compliment to Michael Thomas. But the uh, Saints weren't done with the draft. Immediately after the draft, they signed a Louisiana native, Jarvis Landry, to their receiving core. And uh, this is the deepest crop of wide receivers the New Orleans Saints have had in quite some time. So with uh, both Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry now joining forces with Michael Thomas, do you think that Jameis Winston could be in for the best season of his career? I mean, if his decision-making improves, I don't see why not. I mean, and, and just going back to last year before the ACL injury, the Saints were 5-2 and two with Jameis Winston start quarterback and leading the NFC South. I mean, so it's it's not hard to see why there's they don't think there's optimism for them this season in what I think we can all agree is a down NFC. I mean, there's only – maybe four teams that you can look at right now and say, yeah, this is a, this is a definite playoff team in the NFC. Unlike the AFC where there's 12 teams, you could say are playoff teams, a 17 field, but uh, there's room for the saints to make a run. If Winston, you know, doesn't make poor decisions and, you know, is fully recovered from the ACL injury. Uh, Chris Olave was my number one wide receiver in this class. I love his, uh, Ability to get downfield. He's got the four three nine speed. Um, he'll stick the play against uh, Clemson in the uh, college football playoff game with the throw from uh, Justin Fields. Always sticks in my mind as just what made to me what made him such a great player. Um, I, I think Olave is going to be an instant impact player for the Saints this year. Maybe even leads them in receptions as a rookie. Would not surprise me. I really like Olave. Yes, and uh, for reasons aside from his uh, downfield prowess, um, why was Chris Olave your uh, number one receiver in this draft? I mean, his hands are great. He's a tremendous route runner. I mean, he's just he, to me, he was a total package wide receiver. Um, I, I thought he separated better than his teammate uh, Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, and that uh, he definitely separated to me better than Drake London, who struggled to separate at times. 
I just I made me like Olave more, uh, especially after the testing that I was, you know, that kind of put me down on Traylon Burks a little bit. Uh, so that's what kind of kept Olave up at the top for me, and that's just where it settled. And they were all now. Don't don't only say that when I say he was my number one receiver, and they were all really close, like in my overall rankings. There wasn't much separation there, but Olave was my top guy. Definitely, and uh, with their second first round pick. The Saints addressed the hole vacated by Teron Armstead, who is now with the Miami Dolphins by selecting Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. So they hope to replicate the success they had with a Teron Armstead with another small school uh, offensive tackle prospect in Penning. And uh, I was down at the Senior Bowl this year as well. And after watching Penning uh, there, I came away rather underwhelmed by his uh, pass protection reps. And while there's no denying his nasty style of play and physical gifts, he is very raw at the moment. And thus it is foolish for Saints fans to expect him to seem seamlessly uh, fill the shoes of Teron Armstead. Uh, If you could pick one part of Trevor Penning's game that he needs to fix in order to become that franchise cornerstone that the Saints want, what would it be and why? I mean, to to make him to be a franchise left tackle, obviously he's got to work on not getting he gives up his inside a little bit too much. Uh, that kind of got him uh, a bit at the Senior Bowl as well. Uh, he let him kind of get into his chest a little bit. Some of the some of the speedier guys he kind of struggled with down there. Once he gets his hands on a guy, though, it's lights out. And that's that's to me is what he's got to work on. It's something you know. Once he gets in there with an NFL you know offensive line coach, I think he'll be fine. Um, some some people aren't going to like the way he plays through the whistle. I personally like it myself and I enjoyed watching it down at senior bowl. You know, it made some people mad, but I said, I enjoyed it. I, I, I was very high on Trevor Penning. Uh, he was my number 11 overall player in this class. And I'm ecstatic for the saints to have selected him. I think he's going to be a stud. One of the things I like about you, Brian, is that uh, your draft rankings definitely go against the grain. And uh, ranking Penning as your 11th uh, best player this year's draft uh, is a prime example. And I uh, definitely know that Saints fans are going to be hoping that you are proven correct about uh, Trevor Penning uh, in due time. And in the second round, the New Orleans Saints selected a guy who wasn't too high on like the boards of the big guys like uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper Jr., in a Tennessee defensive back, Alante Taylor. However, uh, a good friend of mine, Nick Kendall of milehighhuddle.com, he said that Alante Taylor was his favorite slot defender in this year's uh, draft class. And I believe Mickey Loomis, the Saints GM, said after the draft that they envision Alante Taylor as that slot corner. And that is uh, an increasingly important position in today's NFL. Do you see Alante Taylor becoming a premier slot corner in the National Football League? It's very possible. It's a lot to like about Alante Taylor. He's got good size, cover skills, tremendous athlete, uh, four three six speed. Um, his versatility to me is is what you're drafting here. You met uh, Mickey Loomis, and you mentioned being in the slot. Very well, could be there. I think in a pinch he could play outside corner, and you're not going to lose a whole lot there. I uh, he played some free safety at the Senior Bowl. And I think that's another spot he could play. I think special teams is gonna he's gonna offer some 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 uh, skills there. So there's a lot to like about Alante Taylor. Um, I, I thought maybe 49 might have been a little high for what you're drafting there. But if you do intend on him being your slot corner, that's a starter now. So you've drafted a starter at 49, and that's that's okay. 
And last but not least, let's uh, talk about the draft class of the team that is the betting favorite, I believe, to win the NFC this season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady uh, deciding not to retire after all uh, the and the weakness of the rest of the NFC. It's uh, no wonder why the Bucs are the betting favorite at this time. And uh, the Bucs started off their draft in the second round. They traded down a couple spots from uh, 27 to 33, and they used the 33rd overall pick on Houston defensive lineman Logan Hall. And while many, if not most, project him as an interior rusher, especially at that 4-I spot, uh, some others, most notably Dane Brugler of The Athletic, believe that Logan Hall can be a force off the edge as well. What do you believe the best possible sub-package role for Hall is? Because he's probably going to be that five-tech in the base in uh, Todd Pohl's defense. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit of both. I think he can set the edge on on first and second down, and then I think on your 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 uh, NASCAR rabbit package, whatever you call it, whenever you go kind of small, he moves in, kicks inside, and gives you that pass rush over the guard where you'll have the mismatch. I, I mean, there's a lot to like about Logan Hall. He said tremendous size, 6'6", 283, got good length, uh, good athlete. Uh Great value there, I thought, at pick 33. I really like what Tampa Bay did, maneuvering around the board a little bit. They did it a couple of times uh, in the draft, and I think they did – you know, they're trying to maximize that window because, you know, it's eventually got to close, right? I mean, Brady's got $345 million waiting on him with Fox. So, I mean, you have to think that window is going to close here maybe – pretty soon sooner rather than later i mean you have today uh gronkowski announces his retirement so i mean that doesn't really imp- i mean that actually does impact one of their draft picks but um and, and, but back with logan hall like i said i think he's going to be a tremendous player uh be it sub package be it you know two-way in- edge interior guy i really like the pick I did as well. Uh, many were expecting him to go earlier in the latter part of the first round, even so excellent value there. I totally agree. And uh, with their second pick in the second round, they traded up uh, three spots from 60 to 57 to make this pick was uh, Central Michigan guard Luke Gadecki. And while Luke Gadecki will likely fill that guard spot opposite Jack Mason initially, he was announced as a tackle at the draft. And in addition, Tony Pauline said that many around the NFL loved him because of his tackle guard versatility. In the long term, can you see Gadecki being a candidate to potentially replace uh, Donovan Smith at left tackle for the Bucs? I, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, maybe. Uh, he is a very versatile player. And what you what you have to like here, I mean, you're Tampa Bay. I mean, you don't have a lot of spots open up right now, like you said there. So you're drafting depth pieces. So you what you've got is a swing tackle for this year with Gadecki. Uh guard could play either guard position and before he was injured at the senior bowl early on in the week like very early on in the week the plan was him for him to play center all week that was the initial plan and obviously he didn't get a chance to do that which kind of sucks because you would have liked to have seen how he fared uh at the pivot so i think the you know the size there we didn't get any testing on him outside of the bench press but i think uh as a right was he a right tackle at central michigan that's yeah, i believe right. so i'm a yeah. bernard raymond was the, left, was tackle. the left tackle so yeah so i mean you've got i think the position versatility there like to, to be the swing tackle to uh be a guard to maybe potentially even be a center 
Uh, I, I think uh, Gadecki is a very good, va- uh, versatile player here, kind of guy that Tampa Bay should be drafting here in the second, third, fourth round. Definitely, I like this pick as well. And I also was a big fan of the Bucks' third-round pick, Arizona State running back Rashad White. And uh, my man Bill Carroll of uh, Nuts and Bolts Sports uh, did our running back preview show on our Dash of the Draft series, and he is a Rashad White stand. He like said that he has like some of the best hands out of any running back he's ever scouted. And uh, that said, the Bucks did re-sign Gio Bernard, albeit just to a one-year deal. But uh, there's a lot to love about Richard White. And can you see White eventually supplanting Gio Bernard as the Bucks' third down back at some point this season? I, I think that's going to happen. Uh, Tom Brady's going to love this guy. Uh, me and my partner Shane P. Howell were draft countdown on our podcast all season long. We touted Rashad White as the best receiving back in this draft. This goes back to September. I mean, we, we were we were talking about Rashad White's receiving prowess all the way back then. Uh, he showed at the Senior Bowl. He also showed great bursts there uh, while he was down here. Uh, he was very productive at Arizona State, and uh, I, I said I think Brady uh, is gonna is gonna love this guy right out of the gate. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, you know they did resign Gio Bernard, but it's a one year deal. That doesn't mean he's gonna make the fifty three. You know, and I love I love Gio Bernard. You know, as a, as a lifelong Bengals fan, you know, I, I love everything he's done. But it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if you go – you have to go cheap somewhere, right? And so the, the, you're already paying for net. So you may – this may be a way to save a little money and uh, go with Rashad White. He is Brian Bosarge of DeepFriedDraft.com. You can follow him on Twitter at DeepFriedDrafted. Brian, thank you so much once again for joining us. But before he let you go – uh, we would like to uh, explore some players that we have not discussed yet, either drafted or undrafted free agents uh, from each of these four teams that you think will have a successful career in the NFL, starting with the Panthers. Let's see. Amari Barno, the uh, edge rusher there, I think his speed, uh, you know, it's very rare to see an edge guy, 4-3-6 speed, but that 1-4-9, uh, 10-yard split, get off, tremendous uh, I think, you know, as a sub-package guy, you could definitely see him uh, carving out a role for himself uh, as a rookie with the, uh, with the Panthers. What about the Falcons? Don't sleep on Tyler uh, Allgaier, the uh, running back from BYU. Uh, could be their number, two, their number two running back this year uh, and uh, maybe even eventually taking number one running back snaps with the way they're uh, – their team's looking don't I wouldn't be surprised at all. I thought Allgaier was a very tremendous player at BYU. Didn't test well, which is why he ended up in the fifth round. Uh, only a four-six speed guy, but uh, he catches the ball really well. So uh, Tyler Allgaier, uh, a guy who could make that uh, Atlanta team, Atlanta offense, a lot better later in the season. And the New Orleans Saints. I really like Jordan Jackson, the Air Force uh, defensive lineman that uh, they drafted in the sixth round. Uh, you don't see too many of the service academy guys uh, getting drafted, but uh, Jordan Jackson, 9.13 Raz, uh, good athlete, great size, disruptive interior pass rusher potential, uh, could make could make uh, an impact and definitely make the team there for New Orleans. And last but not least, the Bucks. Uh, one of the best value picks in the draft was in the fifth round, pick 157, Zion McCollum for me, Sam Houston State cornerback. Length, speed, uh, perfect 10 Raz, 
uh, 11 foot broad jump, 39 and a half inch vertical, 394, uh, 20 yard shuttle was my number 86 overall player. They get him at 157. I thought that was great value. Uh, and that kind of length uh, is going to serve him well, but going to definitely need to make an impact. Uh, going to have to play a lot of special teams to uh, make that roster. But uh, if he can show that he can do that, McCollum could eventually be a uh, starter down the road. Thank you very much, Brian Bosarge. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But our recaps of the 2022 NFL draft classes will continue very soon. And also stay tuned for more of our Beyond the Chap series with the 2022 Denver Broncos cheerleaders. And meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Brian Bosarge, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose empathy, and keep the people of Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, and the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts, prayers, and whatever actions possible. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. <laughs>